What's going on, man? This is uh, Mr. J and Mr. A. And what we got going on today, Mr. A? Uh, we got a podcast going on. <laughs> so who are our two special guests we got going on today? Uh, the first one is Parmesan. He is the defending not-league champ. <laughs> and then the other one is a member of the Champions Club, Mr. Dakari Wooten. All right, gentlemen, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves. All right. Dakari. <laughs> Can I talk? Are we, are we live? You guys are live right now. It's been live. <laughs> this is a former champ alright guys we're going to start this one off live so what we're going to do here is we're going to get you guys' top 10 but we're going to get them uh, kind of at the same time and see where you guys rank who and why it's going to be so uh, Dakari being a former champion why don't you go and start off who you got number one alrighty so number one it might be kind of biased but I got to go with David Johnson number one it's a, not a no, not a no brainer but uh, that is why. You want to know why? Absolutely. Why not? I mean, he does it all for his team. Le'Veon, he's a he's a one B one A. He can flip a coin, but I just say most of the touches are going to go to David Johnson. And Le'Veon kind of has to share a little bit. So that's why I get the time for David Johnson. All right. Where do you have uh, Mr. Mr. Parmesan? I also agree with Dakari that. Uh, David Johnson is the clear number one this year just because of the touches in the gut. Because they get catch and can, he runs super hard. So you think he's going to be able to carry the workload all again this year and there shouldn't be any kind of problems to be able to set him back, right? Yeah, and they won't sack the boss because they still have a decent offense passing game. Okay. And then now let's see if we can mix it up with the second overall pick. Who do you guys have going? Oh, Mr. Mr. Parmesan, do you agree with this? Uh, actually, I disagree with him. Uh, I think Sean McCoy is uh, number two this year. Oh, okay. So who wants to start off where? All right. So we'll start it off. Why do you think? Uh, why do you think? Why do you think that uh, uh, Lashawn McCoy should be ahead of Le'Veon Bell? Obviously, the bigger news now definitely is that they lost their number one receiver, right? And so one would think that the running game is even going to have more of an emphasis than it already did. Uh, I, I could kind of agree with having him at two. And uh, what do you think, Mr. Wooten? You're still firmly on Le'Veon Bell being number two? Yes, I agree with that. Uh, I think Le'Veon Bell is the clear number one. 
That's the thing about McCoy is, like, he's one of those guys, like I said again, like, I don't really trust a lot of workhorses because I don't think there's a lot of guys in the league that are built to handle 300 touches because that number sounds good, but when your body takes that abuse, I mean, you're literally having men that are 260, 300 pounds hit you in the mouth every single play, you know what I mean? And eventually your body does take a toll on it. So, yeah, I agree with the Dakari a little bit on that too as far as, you know, with them losing a number one receiver, I mean, who else do they really have down there? They have Anquan Bolden, and they have, uh, I think, like a rookie. And it's it's going to be the LaShawn McCoy show, but at the same time, energy, uh, you know, injury does go up. Uh, so number three, you, Dakari, said you already had uh, LaShawn McCoy. Parmesan, who do you have coming in at number three? At number three, I put Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I would probably be the top three backs in my Since Ezekiel went down. Okay, so you guys obviously flip flop two and three, you know, one here, one one there. But who do you guys have at number four? I think that's the most interesting thing now. Oh, I didn't know you were here. All right, number four, <laughs> gotta be Antonio. Mister, go get him. Now he's gonna put up points every week. Probably like one of the main receivers. So I would say Antonio. Parmesan. Uh, yeah, I agree with him. I was turning out four also. I think. With the Marquavius back, he's going to get a little less pressure on him on the defensive side. He's going to get a one-on-one coverage, and I think he's going to torch defense with serious. As long as uh, ben, Big Ben stays healthy, that's a big ass. Yes. Okay, well, obviously number four wasn't as dramatic as two and three, so I guess we'll move on to number five now. Dakari, who, who do you got coming in number five? Uh, five, you go first, Parmesan. Ooh, let the suspense build. Dun-dun-dun. All right, well, Dakari, how about you shoot from the hip? Who do you have coming in at five? Uh, five, I'm trying to think. Uh, we came unprepared for the podcast, and you guys have been talking about getting on for weeks. Look at this. I'm ready. Number five is Jay Okay. That's a sneaky play. I mean, yeah, Mark was here last year. He's proven to be quite elusive on the field clearly and uh, with the addition of Tannehill going down and they got to take help there they're going to be running the ball a bit more than they were prior to going to the season with Tannehill at quarterback uh, I think he's a great running back he's still young and uh, I think he's going to try to give it all before his knee goes out I mean that's the uh, knock on him coming into the draft with uh, knees were pretty bad and I think he's going to try to run as hard as he can try to get a little clock right before it's all done and over, so uh, expect big numbers from J.A. Drive this year. Okay. And what do you think about this, Mr. Wooten? Yeah, this is why I don't like being in a fantasy league with him. It's like he's been scouting me in these past three years. Because I kind of have J.A. Well, I've had J.A. Drive there at that spot for a minute. I'm kind of fading away, but for right now, I do have J.A. Drive. I think Tannehill's going to, I mean, not Tannehill, Tyler's going to look for him a lot. Okay, well then let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you a question. Why are you? What's the hesitation of you pulling away from him a little bit? Uh, I heard rumors he has hurt concussion for a while. Uh, 
Uh, and, and like again, like one of the same concerns I have with Michonne Coy is the same thing for him is like the sheer fact is, is he going to be able to handle the workload? It, it's going to be a pretty big burden on him now, you know, especially with, you know, Cutler coming in. And, and, and he knows Adam Gase, he knows the offense, but, you know, I don't know, same thing. Is this guy built for three, 300 carries? I'm not sure. All right. Now, what about number six? Parmesan, who you have coming at number six? Uh, I points that I wanted to make. This is correct. His rookie season, he lit it up. But also to counter that a little bit, uh, I was going to make that point about Julio, but I think that the Giants heavily invested in a tight end because I think when they do come down to the red zone, I don't think they're going to be looking for Odell. I think they're going to be looking for that tight end. And I feel like that that might knock him down to almost having eight touchdowns. And this year, with a new offensive coordinator and then being able to explore more, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the year that Julio does get about eight touchdowns. So I think they're pretty evenly matched. Uh, what do you think, Adrian? Yeah, I think they are too. As far as, you know, we talked about last week, Julio Jones having – Issues staying on the field, and Odell's usually there. Um, I mean, I'll get into it more later, I guess, but I think having Brandon Marshall in New York kind of hurts Odell Beckham's fantasy stock a little bit, but I think Odell Beckham's probably the better choice. Okay. Um, yeah, and again, you know, Eli, he only knows one receiver, so kind of give it to Odell. Yeah, that is a – even though he's not as big as a security blanket kind of thing for the last couple of years or, well, three years now, I think – it's safe to say that Odell has turned into that security blanket for Eli. Uh, so who do you guys got coming in at seven? What do you what do you think, Parma? Do you agree with that? Who do you have at seven? Uh, I like that take and where you have him. That's not bad, but I have Jordan Howard at number seven this year. Uh, just because he doesn't, I mean, he has Jeremy Linford in the backfield, but up to Tevin Coleman, you know, he doesn't have to fight for his touches. And he proved last year that he can 
he's a power runner and has a great offensive line. They open up the whole interior very well. So, I mean, he's going to get his touches in the red zone. And also, he's going to get rush yards on the ground. So, I feel like he's going to be a great back this year. And plus, their QB situation isn't looking too great. And obviously, they don't have any great wide receivers yet. That's proven themselves. Like, Kevin White hasn't done anything in the last two years. Kevin Meredith's their number one as of right now, apparently. So, uh, I feel like Jordan Howard is going to get a lot of the work from the back house this year for the Bears, and uh, he's still very young, and uh, the future looks bright. I, I had a question, though. Yeah. So how many touches is he going to get in the second half when him throws two pick sixes, uh, and they're down by, like, 21 points? Well, that's what I'm saying. He's going to have a take in receiving catches this year. Uh, I catch it on the back of because uh, he's not, he doesn't have bad hands. I mean, he's still catch, so... I feel like he's going to get a lot of passes from Glennon. Uh, if he starts, which looks like he's going to start over uh, Trubisky or uh, Mark Sanchez. So, I mean, I think he's going to be fine this season. Their O-line's very, pretty damn good. That's what I have to say about that. The comparison that I would make for uh, Howard, uh, you know, me and Adrian talking about a pre-show meeting, it was just kind of like uh, a David Johnson in the sense that if he goes, the team is going to go. So I, you know, the same statement that you make is Dakari about him throwing pick sixes and being down. I think the same statement can be made for Carlson Palmer and his regression from last year. So, it's, it, I mean, that's kind of what you gamble on. But I think at that spot at seven, I think he's worth the risk. Yeah. All right, uh, number eight. Number eight. I got my boy, Monique Evans. I just feel like this could be. I'm on my way to go see Hard Knocks just to watch him, but I think he's gonna have a good career. And Parmesan? Uh, I agree with the car. I've got my friends at Asia Milo. I mean, they, him and Jamie Wilkins just have that repertoire where there's a, they have that bromance going. They're they're always looking for each other. So uh, I feel like he's a big physical receiver. He gets a lot of targets. Uh, Deshaun Jackson's gonna help him. He's gonna get better cover, like easier coverages. So uh, I expect a big year from Mike Evans. Yeah, like I said, my only concern uh, from him was, you know, he is target dependent, and you know, if he doesn't be able to get, if he's not able to get those ten plus targets a a game, like how much of that would reflect on his production? Uh, what do you think about that, Adrian? Do you, do you do do you think that he's deserving of the number eight overall spot, or what's your what's your thoughts? I think so. I think someone like Deshaun Jackson, he's a smaller receiver. You know, he's pretty much only good for one thing: just running straight. You know, he's going to be one of those guys that will stretch the field and help out Mike Evans, you know, a lot. And I mean, even right now, Jameis Winston still kind of force-feeds him the ball in training camp. It's something that's probably not going to go away. I think he'll, get, he'll still get 10 targets a game. But if you ever notice the projects on their team, the Clemson Eagles, uh, they don't really use it that much because they don't really take shots on the field as often. They just have their other distractions. Or they have the But he's never really used that much. Maybe a pro route. I just on the red skin, but other than that, I mean, he's either doing a streak or a curl uh, route, maybe a post corner, but. Yeah, I. Still going to target Mike Evans overall. Yeah, I, I can't see the Buccaneers signing. I can't see the Buccaneers signing Deshaun Jackson a free agency just for him to be a decoy, though. Yeah, 
I mean, if anybody's going to go deep, it's going to be Jameis Winston. He's not afraid to throw the long ball. Yeah, I think he'll get his uh, he'll, he'll get his three to five targets a game. But uh, you know, yeah, we a lot of this we have to, we're making predictions. You know, we're seeing what we think is more likely, and and I agree with you guys though. I think he'll still get his targets, but. Uh, I think that if James Winston ends up finding a new favorite target, I wouldn't be surprised if his targets later on in the season goes down as he builds better rapport with the new receiving group. Uh, who do you guys co- coming in at number nine? Number nine, I got Odell. All right, who do you got coming in at number nine, Mr. Parma? At number nine, I, I got Julio Jones. The reason I have him so low is because he got he's gonna lose some catches, so obviously they're running back where I mean Monte Freeman and Jeremy Coleman are excellent running back. And on the other side now the Hobbit's new and now Terry Gabriel. So he's gonna get a little easier coming he's still gonna get his yards, don't get wrong. He always gets uh, I'm gonna predict fifteen hundred yards from uh Julio and six touchdowns again this year. It's the one knock on him is just a touchdown, four touchdowns. And that's why I have Odell over him, just because I feel like he's gonna get more touchdowns. And kind of slide him out in the fast at the end of the season. That's the way I feel. I mean, Julio's a great player, but I'm not a knock on him as injury prone. He just can't stay healthy. He's bound to miss at least two games, two to four games this season. And uh, as a fantasy owner, I would hate to not, not be able to put him in when I need him the most. And that's why I'm at number nine. Okay, and to wrap things up, number 10, Bakari, who do you got? All right, Dakari, who do you got wrapping it all up? Once again, in our pregame show, me and uh, Adrian are discussing this, and uh, the Bengals have one of the most easiest schedules, or the easiest defenses they're playing all season, and this is based off of PFF rankings for the teams they have coming into the season this year, not based on what teams did last year. So I think you're 100% right. I think him and Andy Dalton have a really good rapport. So I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do great. Yeah, you're right, Taj Boyd. Yeah, I feel like uh, they're going to put up some things make it easy for A.J. Green, but, I mean, do you remember what the injury was he suffered last year? Remind me, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not too sure. About I me. think it was a hyperextended knee is what it was. I could be mistaken, but one of the seasons it was, I think I had it owned to him, and it was like a hyperextended knee, but... Uh, you know, that's, you know, injuries happen as a part of the game. Um, before we let you guys go, though, is there any last bit of advice that you guys want to give? I know, Parmesan, you have a pretty good draft coming up this weekend here, and uh, it's going to be random order and whatnot. Uh, if you guys had to give a couple of tidbits on on how to win a league and or how to prepare for your draft, what would you give the listeners? I would try to go, me personally, I'd try to go running back heavy the first two or three rounds just to get lock up all the good running backs. I feel like they're more valuable than wide receivers. And I also say that most fantasy people that win their championships off the waiver wire picks. So be on 
your best behavior when you're looking at the uh, waiver wire and just know the information going on in the league because that's going to either make or break your season because injuries happen all the time and that's just inevitable. So uh, just be watch out or watch the uh, waiver wire pickups. Awesome, Mr. Wooten. As a former champion, what do you give? Uh, uh, what do you get the advice? Going to the championship the last two years, I say the biggest advice that I can take away is honestly, I start the waiver wires now. Just start looking ahead because you never know, and it's nice to be able to get that waiver like two weeks before everyone rushes for them. So that's what I would say. Look out for those small name people. I would drop some names, but I want to drop them in for you guys. So <laughs> just look out for them early. Yeah, we're definitely going to have you guys back on the podcast. Uh, like I said, we're going to be trying to do this every every week, on a, hopefully on a Monday before the waivers drop, and uh, just kind of see where, what you guys are feeling or what you guys are thinking. And uh, moreover than that, just how you feel like your guys' season's going and maybe even a stardom and sit them. So I want to thank both of you gentlemen for your time. And uh, next time we'll have you guys on individually and we'll be able to finish out a whole podcast with a, with a longer discussion. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. All right, man. See you all next week. Hopefully we get one of you guys on for a full podcast next time around. Yeah. Mr. A, a, you got anything to add? Uh, I'd say good luck this season, but I don't want to give you guys any luck. So. Uh, we don't need it. All right. <laughs> all right. Now we got those guys out of the room. Huh? Let's get down to business. All right. <clears throat> so, obviously, let's just start off with the top of the top of the news. Your boy, Mr. Elliot. My boy. Your boy. My boy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, dude, I, I, we had this conversation before, and I told you, hey, look, dude, I think the league's going to suspend him. And you were like, for what? And I was just like, man, it's just and, – and the funny thing is they didn't tell the the public why exactly. But it's, I, like I said, I think it's just a culmination of things. And I, 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 I think they're trying to make an example out of him. I think that's what's going on here. They're trying to make him like, hey, look – you know, because last year when he did that Thanksgiving game where he jumped in the pot and he ate and he did all those little antics and he didn't get suspended, he didn't even get fined or anything, and other people did celebrations that did, and everyone was kind of like, well, what the hell, because, you know, what, America's team, this and that, and just, you know, the bar fight, even though nothing was really proven, the whole shirt thing, and then just, just all that all together, they were just kind of like, hey, dude, get your act right because you're representing the Shield. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean... They'll probably never say exactly why. I know that he already appealed the suspension, and so it could be reduced from six games to, you know, four games or whatever. I mean, who and, knows? And I think they will. I think they will. I think they will put it down to four. Because then it's a businessman. Like he has a premier star, and they can't have him sitting out six weeks because what? The fantasy implications on that is what, like week eight when he comes back? Yeah, their bye week is week seven, so yeah, week eight. That's that's horrendous. That's more than half the season. That can't happen. They, they're not going to be able to. I mean, it's just... Uh, let's just start off with him now. Where do you rank his draft value? That's 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 all anyone cares about. That's why they're listening to the stupid podcast and they want to see who to snag up when and what how, what can you get away with, and where would you be willing to take him? Obviously, he was your number three overall. Five overall. Five overall. So I mean, as it is right now, as far as the six games goes, you gotta basically mentally prepare yourself, thinking, okay, this guy is only gonna play ten games for me at this point. So you got to think how much you value everybody else over this guy that's only well, going to be the, here. Ten games if you make it to the championship. Well, ten, yeah, ten games yeah. make the championship. Fantasy season, yeah. eight weeks. But it's like I said, valuing, you know, him over somebody who could potentially be there for you the whole season because obviously people get injured. 
it's not something you can predict. I mean, people have injury histories, or there's guys that have never been injured before that get injured. So I'm thinking for me, I want to at least get my two running backs that I think are going to you know be my starters. I want to get my two wide receivers. Quarterbacks I'm not so high on. Maybe a good tight end if he's there. But I'm not looking for Ezekiel Elliott until maybe like fifth, sixth round. Okay, wow. As it let stands me, right now. Yeah, with the six games. Uh, let me counter that real quick. And, and honestly, in recent days, in light of this development, I had some time to think. And um, I'm going to come at it more from a business angle and a strategic angle, and that's being as a long-term, uh, you know, just a long-term investor. So I'm thinking of it this way. You know, last year I drafted Peterson with the first pick, and that kind of burnt me. My season was kind of salvaged together because I had Mike Evans and I had Melvin Gordon now just because Zeke's out for six games that means he's also not playing six games that means he's also not getting hurt for six games yeah so that does mean that if you were lucky enough to I would say I'd grab him in the second and I'm not going to lie to you I'm targeting him in the second he is not going to spit slip by me why because I believe that I could wiggle my way through that even if I am four and four at that season having that elite of a player return is going to make that much of a difference if you hit on your first pick. You're literally going to get two... Like, if I got David Johnson, which who I'm kind of shooting for with the second overall pick, either him or Le'Veon, whoever falls, and I could cope him with that, I mean, that is very hard to stop. And it is a risk. And I think the biggest risk on that is going to be the fact that you are not going to have him for that point, and you kind of lost your second pick. But, you know, this is a game of probabilities, and it's, it's more of a game of just, just sheer... Uh, what is more likely? Is it more likely that he is going to come back, obviously 100%, and is it more likely that you know having him ha- like have a, a longer rest period, that he's going to be able to finish for you, and he's going to come back pretty pissed off? Now, is it also likely that you know instead of you dragging or picking somebody in the second pick, that's going to help you win right away to get you in a position to get a playoff slot? You know, It, it could really hamper it, but I think to me personally it is still worth the risk. And honestly, if I was picking number 11, I would he would be my number 11th pick. I would not take him in the first round just because I feel like there's still a little bit more superior talent and you can't risk it that much. And the most, 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 most I'll be willing to risk him at is probably pick number eight. After pick number eight, you know, I would not pick him before pick eight. But if I was nine or 10 and he fell to me, especially at 10, I would just draft and stash and just be like, I'm just playing a man down and I just got to pray to God my matchups are right. And I could just swindle away, you know, three wins before he comes back. Because if you could go three and four and your team is pretty solid, that's a guy that's going to give you 15, 20 points guaranteed. And he's going to be able to ride you into freaking, you know, and on top of that, look at your waiver wire positioning and how that plays out. You know, it's a gamble, but to me, I think it would still be worth the gamble. And I think people are way too low on him. And I think when draft day really comes around, I don't think he makes it out of the second round. And that's just thinking... You know, just sheerly off of the fact, like, if this is a depreciated stock and an asset, and you know it's going to bust uh, bust up, you know, you know it's going to go up, because when he comes back, the production's going to be there. It's like if a factory burned down, and they're going to take six weeks to build it, and you know the product that they were making was far superior than anything else, and people just got scared, because, like, well, we don't want to wait. And you're getting at it at such a discount, and I think anywhere past the eighth round is such a steep discount for him. And this is not something that's going to be like, well, in week six, we'll see if we're going to reinstate him like an Alden Smith. This is something that's like, you know, week six, you know, put the pads on, do your bye week, get a week to get in football shape and get your butt back in gear. 
And to me, that's totally worth taking him anywhere after the eighth pick. And I'd be totally content with that. And I would just have to kind of gamble and just let it ride and hope to God that you could at least win three games and put yourself in a position to fight your way back in. But after that, it's going to be a straight downhill battle for you when you got that big guy back on your team. And you pretty much just ripped the draft off because you got a top three to four talented player in that draft. Healthy, hasn't got his body abused, ready to freaking give it to anyone that's in front of him. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, that's personally way too high because that's week one through seven, mm-hmm. exactly zero points. Uh, what's your second pick? Yeah, but as far as your second, you know, you're going to get a good player your first round, yeah, but essentially you're not going to see any return on investment if you want to talk business analogy for over seven weeks and everybody's getting all theirs from week one. Well, let's, let's, let's talk practicality. Did you not win the league last year? I did. Who was your second overall pick? My second overall pick was Jordan Nelson. Who was your first overall pick? Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, then who was your their third was Keenan Allen. I thought you took Keenan Allen in the... Keenan Allen's a little different because wide receiver is a bigger and, you know... More vast. With or, more, or more, more depth. Yeah. Okay. I You know, it's just hard for me to pass up on him when he falls to me in the second round, man. I just can't. And I have the 19th overall pick coming back in the second, and I'm sorry, he's not making it past me. Yeah. Yeah, he's just not making it past. If that's how you feel. That's how you feel. But I think from uh, because I know who's behind me. Yeah, and I could tell you one thing right now. That guy that's behind me that's gonna pick at twenty and twenty one, Zeke's not making it back to me at twenty two. He's not. I think as it stands at six games, he might. But if it does get reduced down to four, I could see that. Yeah, and okay, let's do it that way. Let's just shoot it at four. Is he still out of your top ten? Is he still out of your second round if he if he goes four games? If he falls to me in the second round, I would take him at number eighteen. But I'm not taking him in the first round. Okay, that's that's pretty fair. A uh, little bit more Cowboy news, and this is just because they're in the spotlight. Um, you know, outside of losing uh, Zeke there, it looks like their left tackle, their their anchor, has been kind of dealing with some back issues. Is this news or is this noise? I think it's just noise. I mean, Jason Garrett's already said himself that they're holding him out precautionary. I mean, there's no reason to to throw out one of your more important players on your entire team. You know, out there for you know practice and and preseason games that don't you know, really mean anything. And the Packers are already taking that approach with Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson, where they're not even going to have them play any preseason games for having Jordy Nelson tear his ACL in a meaningless game a couple years ago and lose him for the entire season. So yeah, it's not it's know. not worth it. At a certain point, you got to realize we know what we have and we trust our product. So Tyron Smith will get his work in. They know exactly you know what he is and. He's not gonna be, you know, have to go out there and fight for his job in the preseason games. <laughs> yeah. He'll he'll do his little practices, try and avoid contact as much as he can, and just stay healthy for the regular season. Okay. Especially with Ezekiel Elliott going out. Yeah. You know they do have Alfred Morris and Darren McFadden back there, who are both, you know, pretty good running backs. So. That's what I was gonna go to. Where's their value at now in their draft? I mean, before I had Derek uh, or Derek uh, McFadden there. I kind of had him at like a, a seventh round, eighth round, depending on how stacked your team was. Like, screw it. He's a, he's a high-end handcuff to me just in case something might happen. You know, uh, where do you see him move up now? I mean, I know you have Zekio at fifth. Do you still think the production for him, for, for McFadden, will be there for those six games if he's out? Uh, it's going to be hard to say. I mean, especially at this point in time, you know, Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris, to me, I don't think one's you know, head and shoulders above the other, I think they'll probably get an equal amount of work. Hmm. So, 
you're just going to have to kind of wait it out a little bit and watch a couple more preseason games, you know, as a draftee and just kind of see maybe, you know, hear who they're kind of leaning towards a little bit. But for now, as far as your high-end handcuff, Darren McFadden, you know, who did steal some goal line carries last year, and, you know, Alfred Morris did too. It's one of those things you just got to kind of wait and see a little bit. I mean, if you're doing your fantasy draft, you know, tomorrow, it's going to be a little risky taking them, you know, anything higher than the seventh round. I mean... Like I said, you don't know who's going to be what yet. So yeah. it's just, you got to draft with caution. You got to know, like, hey, if I am doing this, you know, this is something that could come back to kind of hurt me a little bit. I might have gotten a player that was... Like a sleeper in that round is what you're, what you're kind of targeting. Yeah. Or but, maybe even a quarterback for most of us that are drafting, yeah. you know, that we're out. Um, and, well, lastly, for the Cowboys, before we move on, how, how does this really affect Des Bryant? And before the Zeke suspension... I mean, did we have him pegged at like a third round, right? I think, or did you have him as? A, I think I had him as a late second. Yeah, and, that's and about what I'd say, late second, early third. So, do you think that with that running game gone, and they're going to be maybe having to air it out, or do you think they're still going to just run it and his value is kind of just unchanged? I mean, I'm not trying to say that Ezekiel Elliott isn't a great running back or anything, but at this point, with the old line that they have, it's just kind of plug and play. Mm. As far as running back goes, I don't think it'll you know, make the Cowboys feel a pressure to throw the ball more. I know that they're going to be able to, you know, trust their backfield with the way it is about Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think there's going to be any panic. Yeah. Uh, just a side note, though, I was watching pretty closely with uh, when the news dropped, and, um, you know, they kind of talked to Jason Garrett about it, and Zeke is still getting his reps in all the way until, you know, he just kind of like Le'Veon, he has to say, hey, you can't show up here. Uh, but... Uh, they did have McFadden run a majority of the first round reps right after Zeke. Uh, like you said, it could be one of those things where here, like, hey McFadden, this is your week to show us what you got. Next week is Alfred's, and then because the last time that he actually got that role, I think he finished with about a thousand yards for for the Cowboys. But like you said, you can plug me and you back there, and we'll be able to do some work. It's just and Darren McFadden also got hurt. So yes, he did. That's his biggest thing. That's yeah. another thing with your you know does he move up. You got to take into account his injury history. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, if you got to draft tomorrow, it's kind of cautionary. But if you draft like us, you know, that Monday before the season starts, you're gonna have all the details in front yeah, of you. Yeah, you're gonna be able to wait and see, and you know, have a pretty good idea. Yeah, I mean, well, anyone that drafted before this, uh, they're yeah, gonna be I feel kinda, sorry for those people. Yeah. Well, you kind of knew that there was talks, but yeah. Yeah, um, but it's it's one of those things, you know, if you're drafting, you know, third overall or whatever. Yeah, you kind of just screwed yourself a little you, bit. I mean, you got to take him. It's not like you're just going to be like, oh, I'm avoiding this, and you're just going to keep dropping and dropping. Somebody somewhere in the first round took him. Yeah, and that, that really hurt. That's why we always preach National Draft Day should be Labor Day. Yeah, National Draft Day for some reasons in like, like early August, something that, like that. It makes no sense. Know. You would have lost Keenan Allen last year, Jordy. Okay, anyways. Yeah. Uh, well, another disappointer for early drafters, Sammy Watkins just got traded, and Robert. Oh no, Sammy Watkins went on over to the Rams, and Mister. Robert Woods went over there in free agency. Oh, I mean, uh, sorry, Sammy Watkins went over to the Rams in a trade, and Jordan Matthews went over to the Bills, and the Bills sent over, and they sent over uh, uh, Roby too, I think, who was he was playing for the Eagles, right? The cornerback. One of the cornerbacks got switched. We don't care about defense here. We care about offense. Yeah. So let's start off with the Sammy Watkins trade uh, and how it impacts the Rams first. Where do you see or do you see them uh, golf 
and Gurley. Stock up, stock down, neutral, unchanged. What, what do you got going on? And, and mind you, Sammy Watkins is, I think, already hurt. Yep. Yeah, still with the foot. Um, as far as Jared Goff goes, I mean, he's a big downgrade from Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor was at least an above-average quarterback you know, around the league. Jared Goff, not to knock him or anything, but he's a second-round quarterback who isn't really in that great of a position. Sammy Watkins as a weapon does help. But, uh, I mean, I think they're still going to stack the box on Gurley until Watkins can actually go out there and they can, you know, prove, like, hey, we're kind of a threat in the passing game. You know, Robert Woods, he wasn't a guy that a lot of people were really, you know, highly regarding. He was kind of a sleeper who was in a situation to probably get a lot of targets. But Mm -hmm. now that Sam Watkins is there, it might kind of hurt him a little bit in his fantasy stock. I mean, even in Buffalo, you know, when Sam Watkins was out, as much as he was, Robert Woods never really shined as like, hey, you know, this is... I mean, he had a good season, though. He, yeah. It wasn't like... yeah. Fantasy-wise, it wasn't... For his for his targets and his role in that offense, yeah, he, he, he could have definitely uh, done more. And I think what they... Uh, like, I, I kind of uh, drew these thoughts right now when you were talking is also... It's not just... I know what Sammy Watkins can do when he's healthy. What we're both really concerned about is, is can Jared Goff capitalize on what Sammy Watkins could do. Yeah. Because like you mentioned it, Tyrod Taylor is uh, above average. His deep ball is super superior. And I don't know about Jared Goff. I don't know if how, you know, how is he, it's because Sammy Watkins is going to burn him. And does he have that arm strength? Can he make those throws? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's something we're going to have to find out, especially Sam Watkins being hurt. It's kind of hurting, you know, getting to... To the chemistry, yeah. The, trying to get that chemistry, chemistry going. And all that three weeks away from the season. And having to learn the playbook. And learn the playbook. Uh, the one thing I was going to ask you, though, uh, you know, I don't think we really talked about it last time, is wh- wh- where did you have Todd Gurley ranked? Uh, third round? Mid-third round? I mean, are you even touching him? Or are you like, you know what? Todd Gurley, for me, isn't very highly regarded. I know, I mean, obviously we didn't do a podcast last year, me and you, but... He was somebody that I was, I was like, avoiding at all costs. Yeah, I was staying away from Todd Gurley. I knew it was a horrible situation. And, uh, I mean, it's like a Samuel Watkins thing until he can, which I know it's not entirely his fault, his O-line. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and they had and, the second overall pick, you yeah. know, uh, Robinson and all that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, they got to, I mean, the O-line has to go out there and prove to me that they can open the holes from Todd Gurley because we know what Todd Gurley can do when he gets some space, but. Yeah, for me, he's kind of like a like a third round guy, you know, mid third round. He's not somebody you should be really like rushing to get. Okay, let's move on to uh, the Eagles before we go to the Bills. Okay, and uh, so Eagles up and down overall in the NFL aspects. Let's forget about fantasy for a second. Were they better to move Jordan Matthews, or did they become worse, or is it kind of just unchanged because he was going to kind of play third fiddle? This year. Yeah, and yeah, with the signing of Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith in the offseason, I think that kind of said a lot about how they kind of, you know, saw Jordan Matthews. It's a big help for Carson Wentz, but, you know. Security blanket. Yeah, if you're, you know, that into, you know, Jordan Matthews, you only go out and you sign one. You don't sign both. So in order for them to flip him for a cornerback, I mean, that's good for them, I guess. And he's not a bad cornerback. He's he's pretty solid. Yeah. And so it's now it's, it's, a, it's a good football trade, I'd say. I think so. I think I think both teams uh, 
Oh, we'll wait for the Bills, and then, and then I'll see what who I think won out of that trade. But I think, like, right now it's looking like uh, if Sammy Watkins works out, I think almost every team walked away with making their team just a little bit better. Uh, do you think that now, you know, when Matthew's gone, it's less less of a bigger target that he's taking out because he's probably going to play, like I said, third fiddle this year. Is Alshon's stock value up more? Is it stay the same? And then who would you take as far as their, their running backs go? Would it be Blunt or Ryan? And lastly, the Eagles O-line, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but it has gotten a lot better. It's it's where it was yeah. going to be now. And I don't think people, they're, I wouldn't say they're better than, but they're damn good. They're damn good just as the Cowboys are. I would still give Cowboys definitely the edge, but you're not going to be able to run all over them and, and do what you want with them like you were able to do last year because of some of the suspensions they had, the early injuries that they had. So with that, uh, reiterating the questions, I know there's a lot of information right there. Alshon Stock, up or down? Blunt or Ryan Matthews? And Eagles O-line? Uh, I think Alshon Stock is just neutral. doesn't really affect hmm. it at all. He's still the number one student receiver on that team. His biggest thing, like Sam Watkins, too, is just staying healthy. Mm-hmm. But I think as long as he's on the field, he's going to be getting the same amount of targets that he probably would have if you know Jordan Matthews was still there. And then to make your Blunt and Ryan Matthews question easier, they cut Ryan Matthews today. Oh, did they really? They did. So, like, Garrett Blunt obviously wins that one. So how far, how, how okay, well, then that changes everything. Cause I was ignorant towards that. I did not pay attention to any news today. How high up do you draft Blunt now? And where did you have him before? Because I had him pegged at around like a fifth round, yeah. to be honest. He like was about that. I mean, maybe a little higher if, just depending on who you kind of took. If you took, you know, two wide receivers in the first and second, you know, he could be a fourth round pick. But, you know, last year, especially in the red zone for the Patriots, he scored he lit it up, dude. 16 touchdowns. Um, I mean, he's really... Wait, whose it, team was he on last year? I remember he was on... Uh, Oh, yeah, he was on the League Champs, I think. Uh, who was that guy? Oh, uh, a smart guy, I can tell you that much. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's going to be a little different because obviously in New England, with their the way their backfield is, there's just yeah. so many guys there. A lot, a lot of miles of feedback there, too. Yeah, and so with Garrett Blunt, I mean, who's to say if he can or can't, you know, kind of hold down a whole workload? I know they do have a backfield there, too, and the, uh, I'm sorry, Philadelphia. I forgot that guy's name, but he was pretty solid last Darren year. Darren Sproles, and they have a... No, no, uh, yeah, Darren Sproles and the other kid... Uh, Wendell Smallwood. Wendell Smallwood, yeah. Yeah, so it, it might be the same situation in, as it was in New England. Maybe he's going to... I'm going to assume he's going to get a lot of red zone touches. I mean, that guy, dude, he's sneaky fast. Yeah. And, uh, he does, dude, he's freaking huge. He runs like Marshawn. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, and then their O-line, now that they have a fully healthy O-line, how much better do you think that can make Wentz and help the offense out? Or do you think it's kind of like, you know, with or without the O-line kind of thing, like it, it's up to Wentz to take that next step? There's not really much more help they can give him. Uh, yeah, I think it really is up to Wentz to make the next step. I mean, they went out and they got him, you know, one of the better receivers when he's healthy, Ashon Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. They got him Torrey Smith, who can spread the field. Yeah. Helps I mean, out that's, a lot. That's what he's paid for. He got a good tight end in Zach Ertz. And then, but that O line, I mean, as far as the running game goes, they should have no problems. And they have, so, I think they have a really solid run game. I wouldn't put them on par with like some of the other backfields out there, but they're not nowhere near like depleted. I mean, yeah. they're going to be able to get the job done, and and for what he needs, they'll be able to run that play action. I think. Yeah, and so, I mean, with all those pieces together, I mean, 
as a quarterback, that should give you all the confidence in the world as far as knowing your teammates are going to do their jobs. And plus, the playbook should open up a little bit more this year. It's the it second should, year. Yeah. Uh, thank God they kept consistency. They kept everyone pretty much that's that's behind him, behind him. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty, pretty good takes right there. Now, lastly, let's talk about uh, – oh, actually, there's actually one other person we totally forgot about. There's been a lot of rumors lately about uh, uh, Nelson Aguilar just, just blowing up. And, and I know we heard this last year, and we heard it his rookie year, but uh, we can't ignore the fact that beat writers, and they're trying to hype it up a little bit, but news or noise, Nelson Aguilar. Do you see him as – because I could see him really tear it up on the slot, and I really can. But I, I love to watch him play at USC, and he was like a really good, uh, uh, like a fan favorite I, I was of him, you know. Yeah. So, But you looking at it as just strictly football and you don't really care and all that. Uh, I think the talent's there. Yeah. And I think shipping Matthews off, they believed in him a lot more to be able to take that, that yeah. either that outside when Torrey's catching a break or, def, break or or having him definitely in the slot. But fantasy impact-wise, does he's it just, really? He's another guy who's just kind of a sleeper. I mean, he's going to be there. I doubt very many people will draft him, but he's going to be a guy that if he starts doing really well, he's going to be a hot waiver wire pickup. I mean, I... Personally, can't see anybody unless you're in a, a league that has 50 roster spots, you know, taking them. But, you know, he's going to, unless Alshon, like I said, usually kind of gets hurt every now and then. You know, Torrey Smith, like you said, he's going to have to take breaks. So, you know, Nelson Aguilar, he could, he couldn't. Yeah, it's well, like a 50-50. But I, to see. I, I definitely still have Alshon pegged in the top of my third. I just think that it's worth the risk there. I think he's going to be able to stay healthy because he's kind of like on a prove-it deal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, to me personally, it's worth it. Now, the, the, the strangest thing to me is, you know, uh, the Bills do realize that Jordan Matthews did have a lot of drops last year, right? I mean, he wasn't the most 100% clutches, but at the same time, he did have a lot of good games. So basically what I'm trying to ask is, what are the Bills doing by shipping Sammy Watkins? Do you think it just got to the point where they were just like, you know, you are not being able to give us that third overall pick production? And we're just going to move you because, you know, it's a new regime and you weren't our guy. And it's just time for us to, to, to move on and, and, and move in a different direction and also to save the money. I mean, it's the last year of his contract anyways. Yeah. So it's, to me, just one of those things like, hey, let's just get what we can get for this guy. Because nobody knows, you know, Sam Watkins' situation better than Buffalo. Yeah. And we keep talking about how he needs to be on the field and he's never on the field and you know, it's just a reoccurring foot issues, and there's still an issue right now, even after surgery. So, I mean, I don't know. I think the Rams are, it's just pretty much a gamble for them for one season. Hey, maybe this guy is. It's kind of worth it for them, though, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's 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 worth it. I'm not saying they're, I don't think there's a winner or a loser. I think it's pretty even. This is a pretty things. fair trade overall. That That's my opinion on it. Um, All right, so Jordan Matthews, as far as. How does he impact Tyrod Taylor? How does he impact himself? And how does this impact, more importantly, Shady's value? I mean, Tyrod Taylor, like we were talking about, he isn't above average quarterback. So, I mean, swapping him and Sam Watkins, I think it kind of hurts him a little bit. But Sammy was able to blow by it. He obviously was a little way, way faster than, than Jordan is. And yeah. He, he did has he did has he does have good hands, and he yeah. does have good rat running. His only thing was injury, but... I think Matthews could step up to the plate. I think it could too. If it's 
it's good to have a receiver fantasy wise that doesn't have any competition that, hey, him at all. No, your best friend is targets. Yeah. You don't gotta catch get, them all, but if you're getting twenty, you can catch ten. That's he, a good day. It's probably gonna get a lot of targets and yeah, I don't think it'll really affect the Sean McCoy's you know, fantasy value at all. They're starting to be run first. Yeah, he's starting to be run first. Tyrod Taylor, even him, you know, he's not a guy who has to depend a whole lot on passing. He can Use his feet too and run. And I mean, last year he did it with people that were. I think I I would still put Jordan Matthews a little bit above Robert Woods. Yeah, I would too. And uh, and he was still able to get the job done. So. I mean, where do you peg Jordan Matthews now? Because before this, when he was on the Eagles, I kind of had Jordan Matthews at like a. I mean, if I was really high on him, which I kind of was, kind of wasn't, depending on who was gone and what I needed, I would say I'll take him in like the eighth, maybe seventh, but most likely eighth or ninth pick. Just to stash him in my on my bench and use him as a flex or use him like see how he start if Alshon got hurt and now going to the Bills I think you kind of have to throw him into definitely that seventh round. Yeah, yeah, it'd definitely bump him up at least one round. Yeah, he's like we were talking about you know targets are your best friend. He's gonna get some targets there as long as he's on the field. And I am really excited to watch that third game in preseason and I know he just got there. I know he's gonna have to learn and all this and that, but I want to see. And that first couple of series that are out there, I mean, is Tyrod giving him the opportunity to build the chemistry? Yeah. If I see him just throw, you know, four passes and only one goes his way, or eight passes and only one goes his way, then I know, hey, this is going to be a – and he's going to move down for me, and he's going to be like, hey, this is the kind of guy that might turn it on after week eight if Tyrod ever builds that relationship with him. But yeah. if I see him, like, you know, he catches a couple and Tyrod targets him in the whole first half, like – if Tyra throws, you know, let's say 10 balls and Jordan got targeted like at least four to five, then he's definitely going to probably go to round six to seven for me. Yeah. So the, I'm, I'm really looking for the eye test for that, and I trust my eyes on that. But uh, other than that, I mean, you're right. I don't think Shady really, you know, the only thing I have concern about him is his health issues. Yeah. There, If Shady goes, that team will go, and can he handle 300? I don't know. That's that's the big question. Um. Also, this last week, you got to see Mr. Uh, Trubisky play. And you being a uh, cheesehead of yourself, what do you think of that uh, the Bears quarterback there, sir? Do you believe the hype of him actually coming in and having a decent run? Or is it just, hey, it's just preseason, everyone calm down? Or what do you think? Uh, I think it's a little combination of both. I mean... He looked good. He did look good. And the biggest thing for him is that when he had a clean pocket, you know, he was perfect. I think it was 11 for 11. And wow. So that's... What you want to see in a quarterback is yeah. when they have time to throw and nobody's pressuring them. To... He's making all those throws. Yeah, because if you have a quarterback who has a clean pocket... And he's... Like Geno Smith. <laughs> that's not a quarterback that you want. So that's obviously a really good sign. I mean, it was against, you know, second and third stringers. So, I mean... I know hey, that's that... what happened to Carr. I'm not comparing him to Derek Carr, but I'm just saying when Carr came out, I mean, he had a decent... His uh, situation was and... a little different, though. He had Matt Schaub there as their starting quarterback. But... Yeah. The Bears just signed Mike Glennon to a deal this offseason. I could compare Schaub to Glennon. I think that's a pretty fair. At that point in their career, at one point, Schaub was better quarterback. But at that point in Schaub's well, career. I think the biggest thing is Matt Schaub was already kind of washed out, you know. And Glennon is still young. I mean, he's we still young. He's he really been... hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities, but I don't think he's that great, anyways. In North Carolina State, right? So, yeah, we're going to have to see these next three games. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky will be playing. Yeah, I don't, I'm not too sure as far as from a business standpoint if you want to pay that kind of money to keep Mike Lennon on the sidelines. But did Mitch Trubisky keep showing what he showed and even get some first-team reps and is really lighting it up. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I mean, 
you know, I still know a couple of teams around the league that would probably be happy to have Mike Lennon as their starter this season. There's still a couple of teams out there that would take him over the situation they got now. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it was a horrible trade. I think, like, you know, me and you talk about a lot, like, off podcast, whatever, when we talk football, it's like, man, it's just like either you have a quarterback or you don't, period. Yeah. You could do without a receiver. You could do without a running back. But if you don't have that quarterback, dude, and teams are willing to pay through the nose to get their guy. And so I don't blame him for making that move, but and I don't blame him for taking this guy. Everyone was hating on the Trubisky pick, and I was like, look, if this is – I mean, a lot of times it's because we've seen it as fans over and over. You've seen the Gabberts. You've seen the Jake Lockers. You've seen, you know, all these quarterbacks go, and it's just like, ah. But at the same time, man, if I was in that owner spot or that GM spot and I'm going in with who, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and risk it on this guy because who freaking knows. Yeah. You know, so I don't blame him, and I don't think they gave up as much as everyone thought they gave up. Because if this guy ends up being your guy, he was worth that RG three trade. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and uh, not saying RG three was worth it, but at that time, if that was gonna be your guy, then screw it. Who cares? Yeah. So I don't think the price is ever too too high, but it all just comes down to talent evaluation. Um, as far as fantasy value for the Bears, you know, and you're having Howard. As you're starting running back, who would you want to see as a fantasy owner? Do you want to see Glennon or do you want to see Tabriski or you just don't know enough yet to see who 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 you want? You really don't know enough yet, but as you know, the preseason goes on, you just want the guy who's not going to turn the ball over. You know, the Alex Smith kind of quarterback. Yeah, I'm not saying that these guys, you know, should strive to be Alex Smith, but dude, and Alex Smith is not. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't look at you got to look at it as just this is a game of eleven people. If your quarterback's doing his damn job then you're going to win the goddamn game. Yeah, and I'm not saying you know? they need to go like Aaron Rodgers and you know start hitting every single pass and there's this only, and that. But there's only one Aaron Rodgers. Don't, don't turn the ball over. You know, Hit your guys. You know, Get some yards. Help out the running game. And not every drive has to continue all the time, but you got to keep the drive alive. Yeah. But it's okay to walk away without even getting a field goal as long as you're taking time off that clock. Yeah, you're going to punt more than you're going to score touchdowns You know, a large majority percent of the time. So. But it's game management, man. Yeah, you know? it's all about game management. Uh, let's talk a little bit about rookies this year. Uh, one of the to- Get your thoughts on uh, who do you think the, your, your top five rookies to definitely look out for. Last year we said who was the first rookie off the board, and we kind of unanimously agreed it would be uh, Fournette. Uh the top five rookies I have, and um, I guess, no, actually, that's not in no particular order. This is just out there uh, that I have to watch for you guys as listeners is definitely Mixon, uh, Fournette, Delvin Cook, McGaffrey, and actually Jamal Williams from the Green Bay Packers. And uh, I'll start off backwards. I'll go from Jamal Williams, and because this is not a name that, unless you watch the draft and you're a Packers fan and you're paying attention, you probably don't know who this guy is. Uh, fourth round pick for you for you guys and um, you know we talked a little bit about uh, uh, Ty Montgomery and you said you feel like he'll be the starting running back which I don't I don't disagree with but I feel like this guy is the real deal I mean you're hearing raves about him in, in, at camp he looks good he looks the part of a running back and I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the season it's kind of like a 50-50 split and I'm not sitting there saying you got to take this guy in the top round and you know, you got to take him at eight. I think he's definitely one of those guys that, you know, if you sneak him in the 10th round, 11th round, and just stash him, who knows where he could go. And I think he's going to have every opportunity in the world with that offense. And as much as I hate to admit it, Mike McCarthy, you know, he knows how to utilize his players. So he's going to get him involved in the game. Or their offensive coordinator is going to get involved in the game because they wouldn't take him in the fourth round if they didn't have a spot for him on that roster. Yeah. That's pretty high. Yeah, especially going into the draft, the running back was a really, really thin area for the Packers. Yeah, very Pretty much thin. all they had was 
Ty Montgomery. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Uh, the next guy on my list, McGaffrey, you know, obviously that took him super high, tore it up at Stanford, and they're going to utilize him and uh, Jonathan Stewart as like a one-two punch kind of thing. I don't think it's it, – the closest thing I would compare McGaffrey to would probably be like a uh, – sounds funny, but it was like when they had the Chargers had – uh, Ryan Matthews and they had Danny Woodhead and he's more like a Danny Woodhead where he's going to have some games where he just amazes you but I'm not expecting him to have a game where it's him the really back and he got 20 touches I just see him getting no more than like 10 targets probably 5 rushes a couple of like sweeps and a couple of like ha- like you know screen passes and a couple of quick catches you know and I think he's going to be able to make a lot out of it but his is going to have to come off soft created offense yeah Christian McCaffrey is one of those guys you want to give the ball to an open space and just kind of see what he can do. He's real fast. He's real elusive. Ice rolls. You know, uh, this first preseason game, they really didn't show too much, but I think that's them just trying to keep everything kind of under wraps. They don't want to give away too much. Yeah, of course not. I mean, they just want to make sure he gets out there, kind of gets the feel, gets the little jitters out. Um, the next guy on my list is Delvin Cook, and honestly, that's his backfield. It's it, it's just like the Jordan Howard kind of thing. It's only a matter of his time, and he is going to absolutely dominate it, and I would not be surprised if he ends up as the best r- rookie running back next year. Yeah, I can't see that. I do. I just think. Cause they I, still I, have. The O-line's horrible, blah, blah, blah. You can say all this and that, but the talent's Even there. watching the first preseason game, you had nowhere to run. It was the same thing as Adrian Peterson and everybody else the whole you know rest of the season. just Two yards, just punching it in the mouth, and then that's it. That's about it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, and this is my conclusion off of it. I can tell you one thing right now, being a Raiders fan and watching Murray play. If Murray couldn't get extreme yards after contact with that line, he is not going to be starting all 16 games. So to me, even having Delvin Cook get 25 carries a game, he goes up in my board as far as being relevant because when you have a running back that's getting that many, eventually one of them is going to pop in. And and if not that, he's definitely going to be able to get like 80, 90 yards a game and hopefully sneak in a touchdown. And so to me, Delvin Cook went from being around like an eighth-round to ninth-round pick to being a solid seventh-round pick. And it's totally worth it for me to stash him first, and he's one of my first people I'm going to be looking at to stash. Yeah. And, and, and the reason why I don't have Mix in there and I'm not touching Fournette because he's probably not going to land to me. And the mixing, the reason why I'm mixing is because they have too many talented running backs there. Yeah, yeah so, that's a really crowded backfield. That's why I'm highest on Delvin Cook first, and then um, and then my second highest on that would be Jamal Williams, and then McGaffrey. I'm not going to be able to get McGaffrey either, and where I want him, so he's he's kind of off my board. Yeah. So Fournette, Mixon, same thing. Both superior talents in my eyes. Obviously, you want to grab Fournette because that's all his backfield, and they're going to give him the very very first cracks. Mixon will sneak in. He's going to get his. He's too talented not to get his. But Gio Bernard, still raw. Jeremy Hill, still raw. And they have a very, very, very talented team. And honestly, man, they should be winning the Super Bowl this year. But I just don't have any confidence in them. No, Had it been get, a different head coach. To me, they coach, get worse every year. But that, dude, look at the paper. The fact they lost those two tackles would hurt them a little bit. But if they still had those two tackles or those two, two linemen that they lost, and they had this talent now with one other year under their belt, I just don't see anyone in the NFL on paper being able to stop them. But it happens every year. Yeah. Uh, who do you have as your, as your top five rookies? That, that was my list. Uh, no particular order, like I said. That's just people, if you guys aren't paying attention, you're getting ready to draft, you should have an eye on and, and try to kind of steal on the sixth or seventh round. Yeah, for me it was pretty much the same thing, except I'd probably take out Dalvin Cook just because I really have no faith in him at all. Okay. But uh, there's a guy that especially broke out, you know, this last preseason week, week one, 
He's a receiver on the Lions. He's pretty much a general unknown, but just everything that he showcased in that first game had a couple touchdowns and a perfect wide receiver rating is uh, Kenny Galladay out of, I believe it was Northern Illinois. Yeah. And they were saying that just over there, his hands are like Velcro. You know, he had 2,285 2, receiving yards and 18 touchdowns. Wow. That's his college stats? Yeah. And that's just in two seasons, so he's... Oh, wow. I thought that was a three-season... No, that's two seasons. Wow. He, run, he ran a 4-5 at the Combine. Jerry he's Rice. 6'4", 218. You know, they were saying that he's a guy that could definitely, you know, just go in the starting lineup and... But the thing is about that is how many times in, in, in recent years I've seen only a few handful of receivers do that. Uh, what's the probability of them not trying to feed, you know, uh, Golden Tate and the other receiver that they signed that's pretty decent there too? Uh, look at Michael Thomas. Yeah, Michael Thomas was a rare talent too though. I'm not saying this guy is going to finish top five in the wide receivers, but definitely as far as rookies watch. go. Yeah. And this is somebody that I'll look to more than John Ross at the Bengals, who's already injured. Well, has yeah, been injured, but yeah, John Ross is going to struggle with it because he's so small. And what round did they take him in? Uh, I think it took him first round, didn't they? I don't know. I got to go back and look it up, but uh, I forget half the crap anyways. I'm on the baseball. But six four though, man. That's uh, that's kind of like a Calvin Johnson height. Calvin Johnson six six. Yeah, but like I mean, as far as like, I'm he's pretty more sure. comparable to like we were talking about last week, Alshon and you know Brandon Marshall. Oh, okay. Uh, but is, is he the tallest team. and the biggest on that team right now then? Because that team, other than their tight ends, don't really have anyone on the outside that are like physical like that. Other, I think lost he probably is the tallest right now. I mean, Matthew Stafford has always been fond of tall receivers. Yeah. So, all right. I mean, uh, that concludes this week's uh, podcast. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, Dakari and Mr. Pumazones. Uh, top tens there. Uh, both great competitors. I'm, I'm really appreciative of our, t- our, our you know, league always throwing out some hard competition. But uh, to end it off with this week, uh, we're going to be uh, having a new show probably on Monday or Tuesday, whenever we get the time to do it. And hopefully we have some hot topics. It looks like the league's finally catching fire and back in new circulation now. And they're, they're getting ready to like fire on all cylinders kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, any final thoughts? Uh, last week, I mean, it's not going to tell much. You know, generally, the first week of preseason, you don't see a lot of guys get a lot of action that, you know, it actually matters as far as fantasy goes. But, you know, week two and week three, you know, the weeks to kind of watch are going to decide a lot of times these, you know, talking about earlier with Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris, you know, those kind of situations. You gotta if, if you're in a position to get those guys or definitely still in a position thinking about, oh, that's one thing we totally forgot about. If you take... Zeke, early, like second or third, is it almost a guarantee that you're going to have to take either McFadden or one of them later on? Depending on who your other running backs are, I mean. Yeah, so you have to pay attention, basically, is what you're trying to say. And yeah. please, if you can avoid drafting until Labor Day, Jesus Christ, do it. It is National Draft Day. I'm going to work my ass off to make that a holiday. Nobody has school. Well, I mean, technically it is a holiday. It is a holiday, yeah. But you know what I meant, damn it. Nobody has school. Most people don't have work because most employers want to get that three-day break. So That's perfect, man. And all the news is done and everything's scouted and you got more than enough time to see who's hurt and whatnot. But uh, anyways, all right, guys. You guys know where to check me out. Uh, PXARM007 on Instagram. Go ahead and send me a slide in my DM, and I'll go ahead and message you guys back. Uh, Thanks for listening.